into the Future Sox Roundup. My name is Mike Rankin. I'm your host alongside Elijah Evans. As always, we release these episodes every week. You can find us on Twitter at Future Sox. Elijah's at ElijahEV8. I'm at Rankin906. We have a lot to get to on this episode because the last time we talked was pre-trade deadline. Elijah had a lot of opinions on where he wanted to see some of the White Sox big league players go and just some of the theories that went on prior to the trade deadline in the sense that the White Sox are looking ahead to the future. And now that we know some of the returns, I want to get Elijah's take on where we see some of the guys that should be participating in several different affiliates for the remainder of the season as we look at a lot of the draft picks as well, some of their assignments. Also, we want to detail a lot of the promotions. It is that time of year. We're in August heading into the tail end of the minor league season in September, uh, looking ahead to, of course, the Arizona Fall League as well. There's a lot to be excited about when it comes to the Chicago White Sox farm system. Following the trade deadline, the White Sox added a number of prospect talent to the pool And suddenly the top 30 is among the top 15 in all of baseball, you could argue, versus where they were previously to the trade deadline heading into this year in the bottom 10 rankings around Major League Baseball. So a lot to get to today. Elijah has a lot of thoughts and a lot of things. Before we get to Elijah, let's read some of the standings across the Chicago White Sox affiliates beginning in Charlotte. Now, we don't want to talk about Charlotte too much. 6-29 6-29 in the second half, 41-69 and 69 overall. We kind of understand why that is. The White Sox at the beginning of the season didn't have a lot of depth, major league ready depth that came from internal options prospect-wise. It was an extension of the 40-man roster. You had some guys who were signed, and this is the result. The White Sox just were not a depth-laden team to compete at the major league level this season. And you can see why at the big league level and in Charlotte, we're looking forward to next season. And, and so is Jeff Cohen, by the way, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Our guy, Jeff Cohen, who does a fantastic job covering all the affiliates. Birmingham, Double A Barons are 12 and 23 in the second half. A oh boy, do we have opinions on the roster now. 37 and 67 overall are the Birmingham Barons in 2023. Winston Salem is advanced A, 13 and 23 in the second half, 47 and 52 overall. And the Kannapolis Cannonballers, the low A affiliate of the Chicago White Sox, 19 and 19 in the second half. 54 and 49 overall. So that's really exciting because, Elijah, we think about where the top talent in the White Sox farm system lie. It is in Winston-Salem. It is Kannapolis. And we're moving on to Birmingham now because we're seeing a lot of promotions. We'll get to that. First, let's talk about draft pick assignments. There's a handful that we want to focus on, specifically some of those who were drafted this season in 2023, getting their professional opportunity for the first time. And it's Starting to get exciting because Jacob Gonzalez is in Kannapolis. We're seeing Calvin Harris in Kannapolis. Eddie Park, who our guy Jeff Cohen had a conversation with earlier, is in Kannapolis. So uh, initial thoughts here, Elijah, when you're thinking about some of the assignments and where you're seeing the draft picks, uh, what, what are your initial reactions in seeing them participate in full season affiliates for the first time? 
It makes a lot of sense, Mike. Um, I'm excited to see some of these guys. And you, you see a lot of the college guys, I think specifically the experienced guys, you know, guys who have been in college for, you know, two two to four years, whatever it might be, are the ones who are in Canapolis right now. Jacob Gonzalez makes all the sense in the world. You know, he was drafted as a guy who has a lot of experience in college, is going to kind of move quickly through the system is the hope. Um, he make, he was kind of a given to go to Canapolis. And then you see guys like Calvin Harris and Eddie Park, um, who, you know, have shown a lot in college and are a little bit more advanced, a little bit safer prospects who are going to get to Canapolis soon. They're going to get after it and they're going to start, you know, doing doing what they got to do there to keep moving up the ranks. So it's good to see that, you know, there's a handful of guys who we're going to get to watch in affiliated games this year. And it wouldn't surprise me if a few more of the guys who are at the Arizona Complex League right now end up making their way to Canapolis later this year, a guy like Seth Keener and a few other guys um, who should be ready for that sooner than later. So it's a it's an exciting time. It's good to see these guys start to play. I'm excited to tune into some Canapolis Cannonballers games um, in the coming weeks to watch some of these new players. And they're just they're going to continue to improve. And I'm, I'm excited to see what happens with this draft class. We talked about it a few weeks ago. This is a, this is a really well-rounded, interesting draft class. There's a variety of high floor, high ceiling, um, and just a, just a good group of guys. And you're seeing more of those high floor guys for now that are going to be in Canapolis. But sooner than later, you're going to see the majority of this draft class start to take their their stab at, at Canapolis and see what they can do there. So I'm, I'm very excited to see where these draft picks go. And I think, you know, Gonzalez is definitely ready. Calvin Harris, we're hearing really good things about in Canapolis. Um, and I think it's, it's going to be good for them to start getting those games under their belt. Now we see a lot of the players who are participating in their Arizona complex league. Currently those who are drafted, taking it slow, but it's exciting to see a player like Jacob Gonzalez get work at the professional level, mainly because there's a lot of hot, you know, there's high expectations being 15th overall pick in the 2023 draft class. It's interesting, Elijah, I wanted to mention just what I noticed in that the White Sox made it clear that they wanted to fix his stride. And there was something, you know, they mentioned, Mike Shirley did, director of amateur scouting, that he kind of pulls off, steps into the bucket they mentioned with the stride. And we're seeing a concerted effort from Jacob Gonzalez to quiet his swing and to implement more balance in his finish. And we're seeing it in his swings. If you follow White Sox Daily, a terrific Twitter account that just posts highlights of minor league prospects performing at various affiliates all the time, you'll notice that Jacob Gonzalez is uh, is working on that quiet front step. So that's something interesting that I found uh, to be noteworthy. And also I wanted to mention, since we're on the topic of Canapolis, Aldrin Batista was acquired for international slot money, and uh, our guy Jeff Cohen was out there. He's a right-handed pitcher, uh, a starting pitcher, and he got to see Aldrin Batista. He threw 95-97 and hard sliders, so that was really cool to see. Um, Elijah, let's move on to Eddie Park specifically because we do have a clip of Eddie Park just talking about his pathway to the professional ranks and where he's uh, where he is participating now in Canapolis. Our guy Jeff Cohen had a conversation with draft pick Eddie Park. I want you to hear this and then we'll discuss further. Eddie, this will be an introduction to uh, White Sox fans um, for many White Sox fans. What can you tell them about your game? Yeah, um, I mean, I think the one thing that I try to do every day, regardless of how I feel, is you know play to win. Um, been blessed enough where you know in high school and college I was on teams that won a lot and kind of know a lot about that winning culture and what it takes for teams to win so um, just being able to you know always have that intention of winning you know it's not always having the best day it's what can I do for my team every day right and um, just curious you grew up on the west coast what teams did you pull for yeah I mean growing up I was a Giants fan um, Giants Park was probably 50 minutes away from my house their minor league 
Well, they're low-way affiliates in my hometown. So growing up, I went to those games. Um, I was always a Giants fan. Um, I didn't know much about the White Sox, but as soon as I got drafted, I went on YouTube, watched a couple highlights, watched you know videos on the ballpark and all that, and I've loved every moment of it so far. That's cool. And last last one for me, who do you model your game after? Or are there some players you kind of think, I'd like to be like him or I model my yeah. game? Yeah, um, to be completely honest, uh, like I don't try to pick out individual players to model just because feel like everyone's a little different um, but what I do like to do is kind of just you know pick and choose like oh what do all these good players have in common and kind of just figure out you know what everyone does well you know, together. So what's interesting about Eddie Park is you know we, we I, I implore you to listen back to our interview with Dan Elodi the Canapolis Cannonballers broadcaster because when we asked him about Eddie Park he was pretty transparent about his opinion of the draft pick is there was a lot of buzz surrounding Eddie Park and Dan was like, okay, well, why? Then he got to see him play on the field, Elijah, and it showcased a lot of what people are excited about. Eddie Park is an interesting guy. Like I was saying earlier, he's got a lot of experience, really good bat to ball skills, and just just a fun, well-rounded guy who seems, you can hear in the interview, you know, he seems like the guy who's just going to keep keep going and keep doing what he has to do to, to figure out each aspect of his game and improve in every way that he can. So I'm excited to see Eddie Park and he's a guy, you know, obviously you're not looking when you, when you draft a guy who's played the majority of college and whatever else, and is a little bit older, like Park is um, you aren't necessarily expecting as much upside, but I, I think Park's got a lot of upside for an eighth round pick. I think he's could be a really fun, you know, lefty outfielder with some good speed, some good bat to ball skill and just a well-rounded game. So I'm, I'm excited to see what we get to see from him in the future. Let's move on to some promotions because this is exciting. We're, we've been asking for this, and look, we don't have to get into what uh, Pedro Grifol had to say about sacrificing major league wins for minor league development because I just think it's preposterous to uh, at a position where the White Sox are in right now. We're talking about that at the, the AAA level, specifically in Lenin Sosa and the fact that they're playing Elvis Andrews. And look, we'll get to that on another time. It's just there's a disconnect, in my opinion, because the reality of the situation, Elijah, is that the White Sox really need to develop their prospects. And if there's an opportunity to develop, I think you push them to do so now because there's not a lot to lose. And what we're seeing now, and this is totally unrelated because it's a different conversation moving a player from Charlotte to the major league level and then Kannapolis to Winston-Salem. However, it is important to mention that players such as Mason Adams, Bryce Willits, and Brooks Baldwin are going from Kannapolis to Winston-Salem. And I know you had a lot of opinions on Mason Adams. This is an impressive right-handed pitcher, and moving to that next level, I think, is a testament to the progression that he's made this year. Yeah, I completely agree, Mike. I, I've been wanting to talk about Adams for a while, um, and our guy Jeff Cohen has been raving about him um, on Twitter lately, and he's he's just a really fun player. I mean, a 13th rounder last year, so that's not a guy that you're expecting. You know, it's not a guy you're expecting a ton from. He was already 22 and he's drafted. He's 23 now. But Adams, he was kind of doing this piggyback role with, with Noah Schultz for a few games. Now he's been starting more often. He's been in this hybrid starter reliever type situation, but he's been excellent. He's got a lot of swing and miss. He's, he's generating a lot of swing and miss in his game, especially he's had, it's kind of an interesting stat line when you look at his numbers, because he has different types of games and that can be kind of it's confusing when you're evaluating a player, but it's also exciting, right? Like he had two starts where he went 11 and 10 strikeouts and back-to-back starts with six innings, five innings, where he was just completely generating nothing but whiff. And then he had a start, you know, recently, also six innings, only allowing one run, but he had two strikeouts. So he's got very different aspects to his game that you see in different situations. 
And he also, you know, has shown the ability to be really good out of the bullpen at times. He's been really good starting lately. So a really fun arm to watch and a guy that, you know, I think is, is climbing the ranks in my mind of, of the pitching depth in this organization. A three, three, six ERA this season, 17 games, seven of those games being starts and 10 of them being out of the bullpen, 94 strikeouts across 77 and two thirds innings. Um, just a guy who's, who's been really deserving of a promotion for a little while now and has just continued to show consistent improvement the entire time he's been in Kannapolis. And I think I'm very excited to see what he is going to do at Winston because he's a guy that I, I believe could, at 23 years old, I think he has a chance to quickly continue to climb through this organization right now. Yeah, and it's impressive to see the fact that, you know, I, I use this as an indicator of uh, those, it, it not necessarily raw numbers dictate success, in my opinion. I think it's what you show in your starts, the amount of times you get up and down in a ball game, the amount of starts that you make. Uh, if you're on schedule and Mason Adams has been on schedule and he's been consistent throughout his time in Kannapolis. Now he's going on to Winston Salem. That is a, a nice step for the young man. And we can move on to Brooks Baldwin too, because this is somebody I think flying under the radar in the White Sox system. He spent a lot of time in Kannapolis, but he showed that he was handling the utility role that the White Sox asked him to play uh, very well. And I'm not sure if there's a pronounced position for Brooks Baldwin at this point. He's played a lot of third base, but he's been all over the field and Winston-Salem will be a nice little test for Baldwin. And I want to stick to the fact that there are, and you can touch on this too, Elijah, feel free to touch on Baldwin with anything that you'd like to add. But something that's really exciting is the aggressive assignment to Birmingham. Uh, White Sox moving Tim Elko to double A after it took them a while to get him to advance day Winston-Salem. On top of the fact that Jonathan Cannon is moving to double A as well. So uh, these are key guys in the system. You know, Tim Elko can, it's hard to kind of distinguish him among the rest, right? Because of the fact that his his profile suggests he's not necessarily a one-trick pony, but you understand where I'm getting at. You understand the profile. Uh, slugger plays one position and uh, you know, you're looking for the strikeout swing and miss rate to go down, but brings a lot of slug. The fact that he went from Kannapolis, Winston Salem, didn't skip a beat. Now the White Sox are saying, let's see what you got playing double a, you're a step away from the highest level. I think that's really encouraging. There's no I in team, but there is one in indeed. And that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great, talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at indeed.com slash blue wire sports offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at indeed.com slash blue wire sports. That's indeed.com slash blue wire sports and support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash blue wire sports terms and conditions apply need to hire. You need indeed. 
all of these promotions you just mentioned are really exciting. Baldwin, uh, as well as Bryce Willett, and you know, both going up to Winston Salem. Those are guys who are both kind of a little bit figuring out the position. They've both played a lot of third base, different spots. Um, really exciting, just well-rounded hitters. They both have some good approach to their game. They they both have pretty good walk rates at their age. They've got some power, both of them with double-digit homers this year. Some consistent, just contact skills, and really just two fun, well-rounded hitters that were both you know late-round draft picks last year out of college and a little bit older, a little bit more advanced. And they're at the perfect spot in their careers to be attacking high A now and really getting a chance at Winston Salem to show what they've got rather than just you know a late-round draft pick who's been good at the lower level now going up level and can see can that production sustain um going moving forward like you were just talking about elko it, like you said it, it's a, it's kind of just a let's see it. It, it why not right i mean we've talked about tim elko a good amount this season and he has torn up the ball this year i mean his power is ridiculous his profile is a power over everything bat and that's just the reality of the player that he is but that's not to say that those don't work. Like that is there's a there's a world where Tim Elko can be a really successful player long term with 22 home runs this year. I mean, 85 RBIs on the season in a minor league season is incredible. And over 900 OPS uh, between the two between the three levels he's been at this year. So it's just a guy who's continued to mash. And I think after 30 games at Winston Salem, he was hitting even better than he was in Canapolis, and they were able to say, you know okay, let's, let's do it. And his, he improved upon his strikeout rate a little, which was kind of one of the big concerns. So I'm excited to see what Elko can do. And I think at his age and his, you know, profile, it's just, why not? Right. I mean, it's three levels in a year, but it's, it's, I think it's the right assignment. And I think it's the opportunity for him to be, you know, one piece of a really strong Birmingham lineup that can take some pressure off him a little bit. He's not one of the biggest, I mean, he's, he's one of many really strong hitters in that lineup now. And he can continue to work on his chase rate a little bit and hone into that power, work on his contact skills a little bit and see and see where things go for him. But I, I love that promotion. I think there's certain situations where aggressive promotions concern me, and this is not one of them at all. I think this is the perfect time to just let him go as an older guy who was drafted. You know, he was drafted when he was already 23 years old. So let him go, see what happens, and and we'll, we'll see from there. But I, I love him going up. Um, and then, like you mentioned, Jonathan Cannon. Cannon's very quickly became one of the top, you know, 10 pitching prospects, if not even higher than that in the White Sox system. So I think Cannon's a guy who I am really excited to see. Um, And I think he's going to be a piece for the White Sox. I I wouldn't be surprised. Would you be surprised if Jonathan Cannon's with the White Sox next year at some point? I I really wouldn't, honestly. And I think he's shown all he needs to show in Winston-Salem. And now he's he's got the opportunity to continue developing um, in Birmingham and really just you know, face a harder, some harder competition. He's, he's got shaken up a bit in his first few starts. He's had a few shaky starts to start off his Birmingham career, but he's also had some good games. Um, and he's a guy that I think, you know, should be there the rest of the year and then have a chance to, to be with the major league team some point next year, potentially. Yeah. To your point, whenever we reference Jonathan Cannon, it's always, Oh, he's a fourth, fifth, maybe a three starter and a major league rotation. That's a, it's like, we're speaking, into existence a guaranteed major league starter and that's not for nothing so something that you know i agree with you because jonathan cannon is somebody who throws a lot of strikes and if you throw strikes you're going to have success it's just about working your repertoire and getting professional hitters out and jonathan cannon for the most part has been doing that it's an aggressive assignment but the fact that he's advanced in age it makes all the sense in the world because the white Sox think very highly of jonathan cannon and you mentioned you know, top pitching prospects, a lot of it has to do with those who are acquired. Before we get to the trades, I know, Elijah, you have a lot to say about those who are acquired. And, of course, we'll get your reaction to Jake Berger leaving the south side. 
Let's mention Colson Montgomery in double A through eight games to this point. Just quickly, he's got five hits and 25 at-bats, but in 39 plate appearances, nine walks compared to eight strikeouts. And he's already homered. That's an 887 OPS. And look, it's small sample size, but we're talking about what we believe to be the future shortstop of the Chicago White Sox. And he's played in only 35 games this year. That's because of the back injury he suffered in spring training, and it carried on throughout almost to the halfway point of the season. But the fact that now he's in Birmingham, he still has that advanced approach. Like I said, more walks and strikeouts to this point. It is a lot of fun to dream about Colson Montgomery. Go ahead, Elijah. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm i with you. I mean, I, I wouldn't even just say the future shortstop of the White Sox. I, I'm at the point where I'm ready to, I mean, again, it prospects, you never know what's going to happen. But I'm honestly at the point where I'm ready to call Colson Montgomery like one of the future faces of this franchise. I, I think he has a truly special, special bat. He is just such an advanced hitter for somebody that's, you know, 21 years old. I think people are, when you think about the top prospect in a system and a guy that we expect to be a member of the White Sox not that long from now, he's 21 and he's showing an approach that guys who are 30 in the major leagues don't have. And on top of the approach, you're really starting to see him come into that power a little bit. He's starting to really generate, you know, he's continued to look good at shortstop. I think there was a lot of people that thought he was going to end up being a third baseman. I'm pretty confident in his ability to stick at shortstop. And I'm pretty confident in his ability to be, you know, a guy that gets on base all the time between his walking, his consistent contact skills, his power is only going to keep getting better. In my opinion, I, I really do think he's going to, he's going to really tap into more and more power as he continues to, to grow with the team. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm pumped to see Colson Montgomery's yeah. development the rest of this year, I think. And, and on top of that, you know, I know we wanted to touch on this a little bit, like this Birmingham roster went from being one of the hardest to watch in the minor leagues a few months ago to being maybe the most fun team in all of double A. Is that crazy to say? I mean, the White Sox, when I'm looking at, you know, I'm putting together, we're working on top 30 stuff right now and thinking about prospect rankings. I think there's a real chance that like 12 of the top 15 prospects in the system are all in Birmingham right now. And that is, that's nuts to say, but it, that's really possibly true right now. I mean, this is we're, we're going to get to some of these guys we recently acquired in a few minutes, but between the new acquisitions that we've talked about before already with Caro and, Nestrini and all these other guys, plus, you know, Montgomery and Ramos being fully healthy and Brian Ramos has been on a tear lately. We're going to, we're going to get to him a little bit more next week and in the future, because I really want to detail what he's been doing lately, but there are guys that are, that are back in the fold that were hurt earlier or in different levels, you know, promotions. And then most of these new guys that have been acquired are also in Birmingham. So you're, you're looking at a roster with, you know, a lot of guys that we really think are going to be pieces for the White Sox in the near future. Every single day, there's a pitcher in Birmingham that I'm tuning in to watch. And every single day, there's guys in that lineup doing something impressive, whether it's, you know, call-ups. Oh, we didn't even mention earlier. I should have mentioned this earlier. Wilfred Veras, another guy who just got yep. promoted, who's been excellent already in Birmingham, who was hit, did nothing but hit consistently in Winston-Salem and then got the promotion and has now been great in Birmingham the last few days. He hit his first home run in AA yesterday, I believe. Um, so this is a lineup and a, and a pitching rotation and just everything in Birmingham that like I, I'm going to be, I mean, stay tuned for a lot of content coming soon. I'm going to Birmingham soon um, to see this guy, to talk to some of these guys and watch everything going on there. But this is... This is a team that is is one of the most exciting teams in the entire minor leagues right now and has a lot of future pieces for the White Sox on that roster. Quickly, Brian Ramos slashing in AA this season, 271, 394, 494. That's an 888 OPS. He's got 10 home runs and uh, five doubles and uh, four stolen bases. Coming off an so, injury, too. 
Absolutely. Yeah. And that's important to mention. And you talk about the Birmingham roster. Let's just read some of the names. Kai Bush, Jonathan Cannon, Jake Eater, Jared Kelly participating in Birmingham, Christian Mena, Nick Nestrini, Garrett Shanley, Yoelvin Sylvan, Matt Thompson. These are all names that we've been following or excited about. Then you get to the catchers, it's Edgar Caro, and moving on to Moises Castillo, Tim Elko, Colson Montgomery, Brian Ramos, Jose Rodriguez, Wilfred Veras, uh, Alexander Womack. It continues. Yoelki Cespedes, we, we really haven't talked about at all. Terrell Tatum and Luis Miese. So this is definitely a pride of the Chicago White Sox organization at this point. Let's talk about some of the players that they acquired. The Chicago White Sox did. Jake Berger goes to Miami for Jake Eater, 24 years old, left-handed pitcher. A lot of hype around this kid. What do you think? I'm a big fan. Um, I had a lot of people upset with me on Twitter following that original trade um, just because I I want to make this clear. I love Jake Berger. I, Jake Berger was one of the few players that was incredibly fun to watch this year. He's a great guy. He's done a lot of things in the, you know, for, in the community. He's a big advocate for mental health. He's a really great dude. And I wish Jake Berger nothing but the best. Um, ultimately the White Sox decided to sell high on him. He's in the middle of a career season. He doesn't really have a position and he is power over everything. Like we talked about, it's, it's a risky profile. It's kind of hard to know where he's going to figure out in the future. And I think Jake Berger is going to continue to hit. I really do. Um, but at the same time, Jake Eater is a guy that could be a really good high upside rotation piece. He looked like one of the best young pitchers in the entire minor leagues prior to having Tommy John surgery. So that's a guy that, you know, he had a 177 ERA in 2021 before going down and having surgery. Um, so this is a guy who was he was he was bound to be on top 100 list easily at that point in his career. And, you know, he missed a lot of time. He had to recover all that stuff. But since coming back, you know, it, it's taken him some time to adjust, but he's really started to settle in. And in his last few starts in Miami, he had a few games where he just looked phenomenal and flashes, you know, a big left-hander with some power stuff and a guy that I think could become, you know, a real quality rotation piece and not just a guy that you're like, it's he's not the type of pitcher where I'm like, oh, he could slot into the back of a rotation. I think Jake Eater has some serious upside and the type of, you know, the type of player that I, I would be, I was ecstatic and I am ecstatic to get that level of upside from a player like Jake Berger, who, you know, I, I didn't necessarily expect the White Sox to trade Berger, but because they did, getting an upside player like Eater is a great move in my eyes. Um, and I really do believe that he is, he's one of the better pitching prospects in this system. And you'll see it in, in my top 30. I mean, I, I, I think he's one of the top few pitching prospects in our system. And I think he's a guy that really could be a top 100 prospect in the pretty near future in my eyes. I'm with you on the Jake Berger point. Uh, the White Sox did sell high on Berger. Big fan of Jake Berger and everything that he's overcome and accomplished at the big league level. Uh, I think just for the future of the franchise, yeah, it sucks to lose somebody who's a – you could assume is is a quality clubhouse presence, but it's hard to envision a future at the big league level as a regular for Jake Berger, just based on everything we're talking about. Look, all the prospects aren't going to hit, but if you're trying to project a future big league 26-man roster with the internal options, it's hard to envision Jake Berger playing a part. And when you yeah. get a meaningful pitcher return like Jake Eater, it makes all the sense in the world. And I understand why the White Sox needed to do it. Keenan Middleton goes to New York in exchange for Juan Correla. What do you think? Yeah, this was a fun one. I, I didn't really think the White Sox would. I mean, Middleton has had a good season um, besides everything that's happened in the last week. He, he's, he was a good piece for the White Sox this year. You know, it's when you're when you're in certain situations, it makes a lot of sense to, you know, add a few 
cheap relievers here and there, see what they do. If you're in a mood to sell, you sell. If you're whatever it is, and he was obviously a selling candidate for the White Sox. Um, I, I think they picked up a really solid piece. Carrillo was a guy who was in the top 30 for the Yankees, um, has flashed a lot of stuff over the years. He's been in the minors for a while, so it might seem as though, you know, he's been with the, he's been in the minor leagues for, for four years now. But with that said, he's only 21, so a lot of upside. Um, he's going to be in Winston-Salem, and he's been in high A for the Yankees this year. You know, with, with the Yankees this year, uh, 109 strikeouts and 83 in the third innings. He's got a lot of strikeout-type stuff. Um, and just a, just a fun arm to watch. High projection, I think. He's got pretty solid command for a young pitcher at 21. Um, I think somebody that's going to be, you know, he's going he's gonna to have the rest of the year in Winston-Salem just to kind of settle in, see what he does. He had a really good first start with the White Sox. He threw uh, just a few days ago, six innings, two six hits, one earned run, uh, just a solo homer. That was the earned run. So um, I think he's, he's a fun prospect to get for, you know, a rental reliever that was pretty much cost the White Sox nothing. So I'm, I'm excited about it. And another piece to add to the to add to the farm and see what he can do. A, a fun upside young pitcher that got some serious strikeout stuff. And we'll, we'll see what he, what he develops into. But I think it's a definitely a good add. Another another successful trade. And I, I really I really have no complaints about most, pretty much all these trades made. I, I think I, I would have liked to see one or two more trades, I think. But the trades that were made, I think pretty much all of them were, were good trades for the White Sox. And you look at the list, Giolito and Raylo, expiring deals, Lance Lynn, Joe Kelly, expiring deals, Kendall Graveman on his way out, Jake Berger is the exception, Keenan Middleton, a one-year reliever, and you got a 21-year-old right-handed pitching starter prospect. So that's a win in my eyes. I mean, if you're going to flip a high-leverage reliever, give me a young starter. And if it's an experiment, it's an experiment. You got time to play around with it. You pretty much are essentially, it sucks that you're in this position because you're not winning, but this is the pathway to getting back to relevancy, taking a flyer on guys. And that leads me to the last point, Louis Patino being acquired from Tampa for cash. This is an electric arm that was once top 100 prospect, if I'm not mistaken. I think this, this is one of the guys that uh, you catch lightning in a bottle. If the White Sox can figure it out with the pitching infrastructure that they're having, look, giving them the benefit of the doubt that they can find something. I just think it makes a lot of sense to add to the depth in AAA because what's the harm if you're not intending to lose, but you anticipate it uh, to be a less than competitive year, especially now with the lack of pitching depth at the AAA level. This makes all the sense in the world. It's a hot, it's a big name with a, with an electric arm. Let's see what happens. It's a great flyer. There's it's completely a, a no reason not to. I'd actually like to see Patino with the White Sox this year uh, down the stretch in September. Maybe I, I see no reason not to just see what you have and like you know we're going to talk about this in the next few weeks and stuff. But this the rest of the season is essentially a tryout, especially on the pitching side of the ball. I would like to see more of the young hitters get called up and move on from some of the veterans that are in the locker room. I'm, I'm really not sure why that hasn't happened yet at this point. Um, but either way, the pitching, especially the bullpen, the starters, I mean, all of the above, the pitching is is literally a tryout for next year and who could be a future piece for us because obviously Dylan Cease, well, we'll see what happens. I still think there's a really good shot he ends up getting traded in the offseason. Um, but aside from that, like there is very, Gregory Santos is pretty much locked in, you know, a long-term key bullpen role. Uh, Aaron Bummer is going to be around if he doesn't get traded. So is there, I mean, Kopech is going to be around. I don't know what the plan is for Kopech going forward. It's been a little shaky this year, but you know, how many other guys have a spot on this roster next year in the pitching side of things? Very few. So I, Patino is another guy, one of many guys who I want to see just get a chance. I really liked what I saw from Declan Cronin a few days ago out of the bullpen. Um, there's just, 
there's just a lot of guys that, like I would like to see just let, let's see what happens, right? Let, let's mm-hmm. test it out. We're not winning anything this year. And let, let's see, let's see where this goes and let's see who can really carve out the role for themselves for next year. Yeah. Tuki Toussaint has been impressive. Yeah. And, and looking Schultons. at Yeah. I was going to get to just shout out to Jesse Schultons and maybe we'll see Chase Seleski as well. Guys who have been grinding yeah, their definitely. way in AAA. Um, a final thoughts, Elijah, before we wrap this up, I know you're, uh, anticipating a trip to Birmingham. You did a really good job with George Wolkow. You had a conversation with him. Go back and listen to that interview. It's one-on-one. What were some of the takeaways from that interview? And then uh, also incorporate some final thoughts as we close this episode. George was awesome. George Wolkow is a really, really intelligent kid and really motivated. Um, I know White Sox fans, if you don't know about him, like go go check out the interview. The, the guy is 17 years old and he sounds so much older than that and sounds like a guy who's just determined to succeed and he's going to do it any way he can. And a lot of his, you know, the, one of the biggest things I got from that interview with him is he has such a good mindset around where he's at in his life. And one of the things that really stuck with me, he talked about how it was a privilege to have people chirping at him since he was like 14 years old. And it's just such a wise way to look at things. And I love to hear something like that from a guy who, you know, has been on the radar of scouts and teams and everything since he was in middle school and is now, you know, a professional baseball player at 17 years old. He, he's got a really good mindset. Check that interview out. It was a great time talking to him. And I'm hoping to, to keep talking to some other guys in the future. So stay tuned for more of that. Um, you know, keep up with me on Twitter. For, I'm going to be in Birmingham for a while. I'll be getting some, some interview clips out, some videos of, you know, BP, in-game stuff, all that type of stuff. So if you want to see some information from the best team in double a i'm claiming it i don't care i'm gonna say it um if you want to see some clips from the most exciting team in double a right now um, definitely check out my twitter and everything that'll be coming on future stocks in the future um, but yeah i'm i'm looking forward to this i know for a lot of people it's hard to to deal with this situation the white Sox are in and i get it it's really unfortunate this rebuild has not gone how we all wanted it to the core of this team has just not it just hasn't happened and there's so many reasons why and i don't we don't need to get into that now but the future of this team looks a lot, lot better than it did just a month ago. Between the draft, between the deadline, every internal improvement we've seen in the last few months, this is exciting. This farm system is in a really exciting place, and I can't wait to dive into the top 30 with Mike and James and everybody else at Future Sox. Um, so yeah, keep up with us. We're going to be bringing you a lot of content. If you don't want to focus on the White Sox and you're sick of that team, come hang out with Future Sox, listen to our stuff, read our stuff. We're going to have so much information about this really fun farm system coming soon. At Elijah EV8 on Twitter, if you want to stay plugged in to everything that he has to offer and what Future Socks is putting out to the public. And uh, boy, you, you talk about the big league club. It's okay to be upset, right? We're all upset. This is you know, a thing, but you know, understand that this is some sort of foundation that's being built and it's okay to also be optimistic. There's going to be stuff happening in the offseason. We're going to be following all of it. So one thing that will be consistent is the fact that Future Sox is providing quality minor league content, covering the young players in the system that we believe to be the future of the organization. So stay with us at Future Sox on Twitter. I'm at Rankin906. For Elijah Evans, my name is Mike Rankin. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of the Future Sox Roundup. We release them on the weekends. You can also listen to the Future Sox podcast with myself and James Fox on Tuesdays. We'll talk to you all next week.